Welcome to another distinct nostalgia by MIM. Brought to you in partnership with Life Rooms and Mercy Care NHS Foundation Trust. Staying well, staying home. For this week's latest soap instalment, transport yourself back to 1990 and the arrival of fresh neighbours for the Farnhams, Brookside's new yuppie couple. Crashing into the close, complete with their Moby, that's a mobile shop by the way, not a phone, were the Dixons, Ron and wife Dee Dee and their kids. But how was feisty and rather religious Dee Dee Dixon created? What was her backstory and how did Irene Marrott land the part? Ashley's been chatting to Irene and here he's joined for the first time with his new occasional assistant and resident expert, Simon. In fact, shall we call him Soap Simon? Get it? Or Simon Soap? You decide. Simon's job is to check the details and clarify some of those memories that just might have begun to fade. It is 30 years ago, after all. Have fun. OK, Irene, it's lovely, lovely to talk to you. Now, we're, we're, we're talking about... Um, we're going back now, aren't we? 30 years yeah. um, to when you first... In fact, almost exactly 30 years. It was October 1990 when you uh, first set foot in Brookside, I gather. Now, tell us a little bit about... Before we go on to Brookside, tell us a little bit about what you've done before then, because you've been in quite a lot of things over the years. In fact, I think you made an appearance in Coronation Street, didn't you? No, that's what I did audition for it and I was late and the casting woman said to me, who'd been seeing me in a um, a play at Hammersmith and she said that was really good and I went, no, I wasn't very good at all and I just blew the whole interview, blew the whole interview late and actually um, contesting the opinion of the casting woman with the director sitting there looking at me aghast. <laughs> so, no, I haven't done Coronation Street, but I did do EastEnders before I started at Brookside. When was the Corrie um, casting thing then? When did that happen? Back in the 70s? When, so I was doing, I can't remember the name of the play. Oh, Joe. Joe... I have your acting CV at hand, Irene, oh, go if that's, on. Uh, if that's yeah. any help. Um, yeah. Let's have a look. So it doesn't give dates, unfortunately. Um, this is our, ex- our resident expert. So. Oh, I don't, I don't know about expertise, but um, we've the many, many different um, plays. Rockaby, Once Rock- a Catholic. No, much earlier than that, and it was at, oh, no. at, at, at oh, Hammersmith. Funeral Games? Yes, thank you. Joe Orton, I've got it. Thank you. Yeah, a, a great play, great play. So I was doing that, but I think, I don't even know when that was actually. So, but well before I, I, uh, I got asked to do a lovely part in um, EastEnders. Yeah. Do you, do you know what the part was you were going to play in Coronation Street if you got it? No idea. No, no, no. no having no. a clue. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. so, so yeah, so, so you managed to get, you got a part in EastEnders. So tell us a bit about that. Yeah. And well, I, I, I actually got offered it. I didn't even have to audition for it. But I did arrive on set and one of the producers said, oh, I thought you had dark hair or something like that. And at the time I had a very different colour hair than he was talking about. And I immediately went to, I'm the wrong actress. They've got the wrong actress. Um, she was Irish, uh, uh, Dolores, this part. This part. <laughs> and although I'm Liverpudlian, it's not Irish, is it? And the thing about soaps is, that you have to be authentic. That's They can claim authenticity because if you haven't got the right accent amongst 20 other fellow actors who are all speaking with authentic actors, 
boy, will you stand out. So actually, she was, at, she was Irish, so and it was a great part. She, was, uh, she did outside catering for one of the other, was supposedly supposed to be doing outside catering for one of the characters in EastEnders. And she had her girls in tow, and she was really tough and hard-faced, so she would have been a nice part to play. And it was one episode, and they were going to develop this character with her girls, which was a great idea, I have to say. Um, and then I got um, an audition for Brookside to play a regular family, which was supposed to um, replace uh, the lovely uh, Ricky Tomlinson and Sue Johnson's family, um, and, and got it, and got it sort of unexpectedly, really. And so they had to, what did they do with my, uh, what did they do with Dolores? They put her in prison for da- tax evasion. And so the part never got, um, <laughs> never got developed. And then, yeah, I ended up in Brookside. So that's how Brookside, how your Brookside part starts. That's bizarre, isn't well, it? Well, I did go for, I did go for the audition. Uh, and I was living in London at the time. And I came back from the audition with this rather beautiful actor. And we got terribly drunk on the train. And so when I, <laughs> And flirted outrageously with each other all the way back from Liverpool. It was, you know, one of those really good auditions, you know. <laughs> we have a, a lot of fun. And then, so when I heard I got the part, I went, yes! Sorry, not to get too excited, I'm going, yes! And went up there to start thinking, this chap is going to play my husband for the next, what, year or so. And um, actually, he didn't get the part. So when I met... <laughs> When I met Vince, who I love, I'm so fond of Vince, I really had to hide the disappointment in my face. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with Vince. It's just he was an Adonis that I got terribly drunk with on the train. And I don't think even Vince would claim himself to be an Adonis. <laughs> and did you, did you keep in touch with this Adonis? No, no, nothing came of it. I thought I was going to be married to him for the next year, anyhow. <laughs> <laughs> so what were you told about what this family was going to be like then? Did you know much about it at the beginning? No, and I don't think they do. They set up a premise. So Ron's a wheeler and dealer, and she is... And this is interesting. So I suddenly arrive on the set as a mother with three children and married, and... I'm still not married, never been married, didn't have any children. And I think I thought, again, they've got the wrong actress. Because it was so um, alien to my life. Dee Dee was a very, she was religious, she was Catholic, quite conventional in herself. Uh, quite a doting mother, though, and, and a good wife. And she lived in a world I don't think I'd ever experienced, <laughs> ever experienced besides my own family life as a kid, if you see what I mean. So for me, it was quite challenging. And we were supposed to be the family that that people were slightly embarrassed about on the close. And, and obviously, because they put us next to the Farnhams, who were kind of ambitious, middle-class folk. Yeah, 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 yeah. And to make, um, you know, to make bad worse, they gave us, is it a Moby they gave us? Perhaps Simon might not. To, oh, okay, thanks. And that was. was a hot, well, thank you. That was a horrible-looking wagon 
those park noise in front of our house. And we were always referring to the Moby and people and we sell and Ron sold his groceries outside in his Moby and obviously drove it around and well he didn't really, but it was yeah, it was inferred in the script that it, that's what he did. Yeah, and everything we did was an embarrassment to the Farnhams. And this this conflict just grew up between us, which became amusing, I think, hopefully. I, you know, I, who knows? It was definitely, definitely amusing. It was, uh, you know, I think it was a great part that you had. But as you say, very different, as you say, to you personally. She was very opinionated, wasn't she? She, was, she always had something yes. to say, didn't she? You know what I mean? Yeah, she had a, she had strong opinions, but always from um, a religious point of view. Actually, strangely enough, I mean it's inter- it's really interesting because they have so many writers, and the writers come in and they watch the program and they make decisions about your character. So when when I had to explain my background, which I actually can't remember now. I mean, I did keep the script for quite a long time, but what had happened to me was extraordinary in terms of the death deaths of both my parents and where that left me, uh, I think quite abandoned possibly. Um, But I never knew that until the week I got my script. Do you see what I mean? So you're playing this character and then suddenly you're presented with an extraordinary history that might have coloured how you, but this is under a discussion really for an actor. Um, You know, one week you might be uh, again, uh, gypsies camping at the end of your road and then the following week you're taking tea out to them so often you have these contrary opinions that the writers give you and somewhere you need to accommodate them in your being and I think we all have our contradictions don't we so it was to, be, to begin with I found that quite difficult but then you know I've got mates who go um oh, I hate going out clubbing and then next week they're out clubbing do you know what I mean? So uh, it became uh, it became quite real, actually. Yeah, but interesting to suddenly find yourself with oh um, oh I haven't got any parents and I was brought up by nuns. You know, I mean I don't know if that was the truth. I can't remember what my history was, but um, Simon, you haven't got it in front of you, have you? <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I didn't remember about the parents dying, actually, but I think that the backstory for Dee Dee, which she later revealed during the storyline about her brother Derek. Yeah. Was that she had had briefly been a novice nun, but she 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 she'd, she'd never told Ron about that uh, before. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yeah. 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 It set me up for the next couple of years in terms of when I got pregnant with my son, and they needed to do something with me, and they put me in a nunnery. You know, so that sort of solved solved that for them. <laughs> What you're saying about contradictions is often the case. I come from a, my background is Irish Catholic and, you know. Oh, right. I, they often, and I'm not religious at all in any way, shape or form, but often they would often criticise things and they'd go to church and all the rest of it. And the next bit, minute they're in pubs, drinking <laughs> away, doing all sorts of wild things on the same very yeah. same day. It's yeah. all very bizarre. But of course, the, the thing about Liverpool is there is a, a tradition, a religious tradition there, isn't there? So in terms of, you know, she would be reflective of the the would-be people in Liverpool who were a bit like Dee Dee, I suppose. We'll be back after a quick break. You still loading them and heating them up with all your single shit you've been dropping. You feel me? Loading them up on. It it only takes structure. And, And, you know, just paying attention to the climate of the game. 
Yeah. Nah, man. So do do your homies uh got a role in your in your little? You mean? Yeah, yeah. We all we all artists over here, man. I'm trying. Oh, yeah. I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying to get them on there. Yeah. Yeah. Look, look, look. We all artists, man. We go. You feel me? We gonna have this like. Bro, me and my man, like me and my man Kyle, we be like, I don't know, we play, we play with this <laughs> shit right now. I got lie, we play with this shit right now for for. Oh, I got lie, don't play with it. Don't play with it. No. Take that shit serious. Oh, I think so. I think so. Yeah, yeah. And you know, when I met the public out, they um, they related to me quite strongly. Actually, strangely enough, I was always quite surprised myself. But um, yeah, and actually, I learned because remember, I, d- I actually come from uh, the Wirral. If my if I told if I told somebody I came from Liverpool, oh I say Merseyside because it's easier. My mother would turn in her grave because in her eyes we came from um, the Wirral, Cheshire, you know, I, I, which is bizarre to me. I don't even know what her thinking is behind that. Besides snobbery, of course. But I learned um, on the set, you know, with sound runners, a crew, everybody that the split between the um, the Liverpudlian team and, um, what's the other one, God? Everton. Oh, Everton, thank you. The split, because I think my, my dad and brother were uh, Liverpudlian supporters. So Liverpool and Everton, so the clash was huge. And I, I think that was down fundamentally to religion initially, wasn't it? So the, there was quite, quite strong factions anyhow in Liverpool, and still is, I presume. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think there is. I think there is. So you you have this character, which you say was very opposite to you. How did you how did you get how did you get into under her skin? Then what did you do to try and sort of get into her? I, I hear what you're saying, and I was thinking about that this morning. Actually, I think it was a mistake. But I think well, I, I played the, uh, the 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 reality of the situation because I, I really loved my the kids they gave me. I you know really enjoyed them, and and Ron's a stand up comic, so we had so much fun on set. So so it was just important for me to make it as natural as possible, and that wasn't difficult. Working with my family, I really loved working with them. Except I think what I did was the mistake was. I was on my best behaviour because I've had quite a wild life and I sort of reined myself in, I think. And I think that set up a premise for possibly the future of Dee Dee Dixon. She was well behaved, I think, if my memory serves me well, anyhow. And I think I must be could have had more fun with her if I'd been a bit um, looser with her, maybe a bit more outrageous. You mentioned your mum being snobbish about, you know, about living in Cheshire, as it were. Yeah. Same thing happens here. I live in Manchester and people in parts of South, what is now South Manchester always call themselves Cheshire. You know, it's uh, Stockport, Cheshire. Everyone's Altrincham, Cheshire, you know. To make oh, sense. I know. I know. I did, my teaching, <laughs> I did my teaching practice there. Sorry. Yeah, they, the people, are, people are very hung up about calling themselves Cheshire. I, I know that. But we were talking about the snobbery thing, but that was, that was the interesting dynamic, wasn't it? Because you got, you know, you got your family that was seen as this embarrassment to the farmers, but. There yeah. was snobbery on both sides, wasn't there? Because Dee yeah. uh, had some snobbery of her own. Uh, yes. You know, how life should be and whatever. And the Farlands had their own kind of snobbery as well. So it was a battle of the snobberies, really, wasn't it, in a way? Yeah, yeah. The, the sort of the more conflict there is, it's always greater to play as an actor. Although Stephen is, has got a twinkle. I don't know if you know him, but he's got a twinkle in his eye. So he's, for, for me, because I'm a corpser, which is, it doesn't take much to make me start laughing. 
And um, so when you're working with Steve, he's got this twinkle in his eye. <laughs> it's really hard to work through that when you're working with him. And, and Gabby's a good actress, so uh, it, was, it wasn't a problem um, uh, setting oneself up against them and their appalling attitudes, to my mind. I mean, they had a nanny, for goodness sake. They did. What was their problem? You and them arrived roughly around the same time, didn't you? It was within a short yeah. time each other, yeah. Yeah, I think they were there first and we came after, yeah. And, and was there a reason for that? I mean, did they just want to bring in some new blood into the soap at the time? or I think because they'd lost um, Ricky and Sue Johnson. They wanted a kind of down-to-earth family, but with a bit of um, grit. And whether we did supply that or not, I don't know. I don't think you can have... And you can never replace families, really, because you, you build up your own identity as a family, don't you? Tell us a bit about um, Dee Dee's relationship with, with Ron. I mean, what, what was that meant to be like at the beginning? And did it change? Did it evolve? Well, I know it changed, but what I mean was, was did, it, did it alter quite quickly as to what it was originally supposed to be about? Or yeah, be like? I hear what you're saying. I think um, it was quite sound, their relationship even though she had her opinions and he certainly had his. So they're quite strong personalities, weren't they? But they both really love their kids. And, um, and I think that was uh, quite a focus for them. In terms of their own romance, I'm just trying to think what that would be. Um, mm, I think they were both quite pragmatic people. So you never really saw a lot of romance between them. I mean, didn't we remarry, Simon? This is one for you. I think we got remarried. Yeah. Do you know um, why? So, do you know, do you certainly know why? They, they moved back in with each other, certainly, because I think after the death of their youngest son, oh, yeah. that knocked a lot of the, the stuffing out of them, really, and their marriage sort of began to go downhill from then on. And then as, right. a, conce- but as a consequence of that, um, after Ron had, had left Dee Dee for Bev, he did move back in for a while, and I think he was doing it to sort of take care of, of Dee Dee for a while, but she thought it was for good. Right. Okay. So, I, sorry, I'm just trying to um, remember. So, I got pregnant with my own son round about that time, and I think they were, weren't sure what to do with me, and they didn't want to use my pregnancy. I thought they, they were very decent, actually. I think it was Mal Young that was. Uh, producing it then they were well and Phil of course they were really decent about that and so they didn't want to put that in the storyline because you know I could have had a stillbirth who knows what could have happened and so I think they gave uh, Ron a love affair which I think was uh, is it Beth or Bev uh, that, that was Bev Sue White that, Bev. yeah Beth, Beth. He, had a, he had a few didn't he in the end and we went and re-spoke whatever the word is our marriage vows actually we had to leave the church because we couldn't keep we couldn't stop laughing and so we had that's, that's one of the occasions where we had to leave the shoot and collect ourselves and come back <laughs> and, and swear eternal love for each other it's one of those and then there was another time so we had two sons I don't know if you yes yeah, so we had um one who was great. I loved him. But he, he, he was very, he was quite an interesting uh, lad. He would go off and do uh, publicity. And that is absolutely frowned upon by the corporation. So 
they actually got rid of him and then employed another child. But in the in, in the interim period, we sort of had this Tony. I mean, Vince and I used to roar with laughter because he was always upstairs. <laughs> this child never appeared. He's always Tony, come and come and come and have your dinner, and then he never appear. Where's that boy? <laughs> We hadn't replaced him, most probably. A bit like Tracy in Coronation Street, who, who spent about six years upstairs playing her tapes. She was oh, always okay. upstairs yeah. playing her tapes. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So that became a bit of a running joke. And then, of course, so when we buried him, we had him in a coffin in the front room. And I think, is that the wait for the for a Catholic funeral? Yeah. And, of course, a costume and um, makeup put something in it so it didn't seem like an empty... Coffin, but what they put in was extraordinarily funny, not intentionally. And then we just could not keep a straight face. We were supposed to be mourning our poor son, so we got sent off set set to collect ourselves. Another time, we were sent off set to collect ourselves. So at these most dramatic moments, we seem to fall. We seem to fall apart. <laughs> oh yeah, it was great fun. It was great fun. <laughs> Distinct Nostalgia is produced by MIM, and if you like what we do, then please consider supporting us on Patreon. Every penny helps us to make even more amazing content just for you. Go to distinctnostalgia.com and click on the Donate button. Thank you. As well as amazing TV and film nostalgia, this podcast is also home to an epic radio quiz where listeners just like you go head-to-head on their favourite TV shows and films and put their general knowledge to the test. There's a bonus point if you can sing the theme tune, but I know you're not going to, are you? Skippy, 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 the bush kangaroo is all I can remember about. Yeah, well, that, yeah, that earns you a point. Yeah, I'll go for that. The fifth season of the Distinct Nostalgia Mind of the Month quiz is almost here, and it needs you. Prisoner Cell Block... Cell Block B. Prisoner Cell Block H... Simply choose your favourite TV show or film and get in touch at distinctnostalgia.com. Have a go at three British films. Just have a guess. Oh, whistle down the wind, carry on up the Khyber. Um, no, this is rubbish. I'm sorry. No, I don't <laughs> know. <laughs> They're not bad attempts, actually. And the two leading minds from across the month compete head-to-head in the final for a coveted Distinct Nostalgia mug. It's almost like a trophy. The Mind of the Month quiz. What kind of programme was The Smoking Room? Oh, I've never heard of it. I don't know oh. if I can accept that. Returns in October. That's another cracker, isn't it? They uh, always are. <laughs> Only here. Talking a minute a bit more about the the, the, the actors and the and, the, and the, the the people who played your your, your children in it um, in a moment. But something interesting about Brookside, of course, is the fact that it was all done on a real location yeah. in a real. Yeah. You know, it wasn't like being in a studio and the rest of it. Had you done anything like that before, or was was that a first time that you'd been in a situation where everything was in a in a location like that? No, never, ever. Uh, all in all, filming work. Oh, well, that's not true actually, because you have you are on location and people offer up their houses and whatever. So I had done a couple of yeah, I'd done a few films before. And actually, I did a film called Intimate Strangers, where the, the film starts with my son and I breaking into a house, and actually we're breaking into a squat. Do you remember? Do you remember those? And so the whole film is about us decorating and inhabiting, and this becoming home for my young son and myself. 
and so that was all shot on site. You know, they actually obviously rented, hired, bought this house for the film set. And we actually did paint it. Well, actually, it was the art, the art director, of course, who gave us instruction. But we actually painted and transformed this house in front of the audience's eyes. And it became our home. You know, rather lovely, actually. We got, and then our parents visited us. And then, uh, yeah, suddenly it became quite a, a busy, warm, interesting... Well, I say that, I don't, but I think it's quite an interesting film, so that was that was a lovely experience, actually. So we spent six weeks on that. Yeah. In Brookside, you were doing it all the time on this location. There was nowhere to escape, nowhere to go, really, was there? There was a there was a couple of houses were set up for various things, weren't there? That you could go and maybe have a have a brew or whatever. But there was no, yeah. you know, you, you were there literally in, on the on Brookside close all the time, weren't you? Yeah, I, but it's, it was quite nice because it, that was our home. So it was, you could go and sit in there, actually, if you weren't working and you wanted a bit of quiet because, you know, uh, Liverpudlians don't shut up, do they? I mean, myself included. So it was, <laughs> so there was always chatter and jokes and noise going on in the green room. But so you you'd go to your own. But you're forgetting, you're from Cheshire, remember? Your mother told you. And darling, <laughs> of course, is, is. Um, <laughs> So you go and sit in your own house and it, that felt, you know, you felt quite at home there. And it wasn't to one's taste, but yeah. Did everything work in those houses? Yeah, when they needed, yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. Everything. Maybe they, they sometimes have to move a door or if they wanted a particular shot or, a, you know, or held camera and needed to get through doors, they could move things and then put them back on. I don't remember them moving any walls. No, I think they were pretty well organised, you know, before we came. Because remember, Brookside had been running for quite a long time before we entered. So they would have got over those hurdles, I should imagine. But the interesting thing is what a lot of people don't know. So when we came out of our house, there was a walkway to the shops. Um, I I don't know if you remember that. But actually, we had to get on a bus and be taken to where the shops were. So you had the beginning of the uh, passage and the end of it in, in Chilwall. So we were in, where is it? Um, where was Brookside? It was in... Was it in West Derby? Yeah, West Derby, yeah. And then um, the shops were in Chilwall. Which is where Hollyoaks is done, isn't it? Chilwall. I should imagine. Yeah, of course it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that was kind of, that was kind of ingenious, really. Yeah. Your character spent quite a lot of time in the shop, didn't she? Worked in the shop, didn't she, for a while? Yeah, because that, wasn't that a bit of a battle for me and Ron? I think that was one of the problems. She wanted to have something of her own. And, and that was good. I like, That was a great, uh, you know, I kind of was quite pleased with that storyline that she wanted to have a, a certain independence. Because it's quite an old-fashioned relationship, if you think about it. You know, it's quite conservative and uh, traditional, wasn't it? Initially, anyhow. So it's, uh, it was, I think the kids were getting older and she obviously felt the need to have her own interests satisfied. And I think um, it was a flower shop, wasn't it? <laughs> was it a flower yeah. shop? She, yeah. she opened up the florist called Deborah's, which I believe oh, yes, she ran yes. with, um, with her next door neighbour's uh, mother, with mother. Jean, Cros- Jean Crosby. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So that, yeah, that was great too. Yeah. But I think then I might have been, my pregnancy was started to show then. And so they had to put me to bed for most of the time, which is, I think, how uh, Marsha ended up running. Did, she ended up running the flower shop, did she? In the, yeah, yeah. 
because I went on maternity leave. Well, I, I worked right up until I nearly dropped, actually, to be honest. But they had to do certain things with me to keep me out of shots. So they gave me a few illnesses. And then I had a breakdown, didn't I? I had a mental breakdown because there was a shot of me running through, uh, through um, the shopping area. Although you could see blatantly that I was eight months pregnant. Um, most of the time they managed to keep, keep my pregnancy out of shot. And I, I think I, um, I had a turner thing. I don't know what they call it. I don't know. And that's when they put me in a nunnery while I had my son, Daniel. Did we ever see you in this nunnery? I presume we didn't, did we? No, we wouldn't have seen yeah. you. Yeah. He, he, he came to visit me. And I was, I was polishing brass, uh, <laughs> brass ornaments of, of the church. Sorry. We, yeah. Yes, I was recovering at that point. But you weren't dressed mm. as a nun. You weren't dressed as a nun. No, no. Quite sombre, though, and sombre and sober, I'd say. So, Irene, it, you know, you're in Brookside. You'd had a little part in, in EastEnders beforehand. But yeah. was soap where you'd always wanted to be? Uh, no. Uh, yeah, that's a good question. Because I, I think I'm a bit of, I was a bit of a purist, actually, in terms of... Because I've I'd done political theatre, community theatre, a lot of feminist theatre... And I think in terms of aspirations, I wanted to work with European directors and go abroad because I like traveling. So I wanted, you know, kill two birds with one stone and go abroad and work with somebody like Fastbinder and sit in one of those movies where you're under the tree at lunch and the camera pans round and in a look, all is said. And that's how I saw myself. That's how I saw myself. So actually, that was, you know, a very different um, um, fantasy than the one I ended up in. But And, I'm, and uh, I sort of drove up to Brookside with my cat in my 2CV with a few belongings, wondering, what am I doing? Where's my life going? And I hadn't met my partner that I'm with now, although I did meet him actually the day after a Brookside Christmas party where I woke up in the same clothes I'd gone out in, you know, one of those, one of those, one of those nights. <laughs> um, and but do you know what? I I at my words. It were it's the most extraordinary place to learn your craft working on a, a soap because it's really hard work. You you play the gamut. You do death, marriage, romance the whole of life is presented to you and you have to work your way through it as a character and so rare are you given all those opportunities and I mean, it's interesting because Vince I mean because he's a stand-up comedian he would go off possibly and do a set one night and then he'd have to drive there come back and then in makeup he would look at his script and he would have you know a a diatribe to, to learn and he would go on set and he would know it all and it used to really piss me off because he had a photographic memory so I would have been there the night before learning 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 and he'll come in in the morning look at it and then be on set and be word perfect you know? <laughs> anyhow so and after I, after I finished um, at Brookside I went and did a would it be a prime suspect yes prime suspect and I played an M&S prostitute, right? And as I was presented with men, naked men in um, cages and I had to whip, talk, answer phones, 
And it, it was so easy for me because of having to work on your feet and all the things you're presented with as an actress in a soap. It, uh, I was not, um, what's the word? Inhibited? Yeah, thank you. And, and actually, Ricky Tomlinson was playing the cop as well, and I got killed in the end. And, and then what did he do? So I'm put in a black bag, right? And so I'm playing dead eventually, and he's the cop. And what he'd do before the director would go action, he'd tell you a joke. And so you're lying there, and then he'll just, he'll just give you the tail end of it, and the director will go, action. And you're lying there, trying to not let your shoulders <laughs> and not be in hysterics, because he's a very funny man. We, we better just um, correct something. You, you called it, you said you, you played an M&S prostitute. Uh, what oh, you mean, S and S and I didn't know M&S were into prostitution yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, you, you you wouldn't have if you'd gone gallivanting and doing all this purist uh, drama, you wouldn't have met that Adonis on the train, would you? You know what I mean? You wouldn't as have well as well. Oh, oh no, I don't regret it for one minute. It was just I was just stuck in an idea of what kind of actress I was, you know, I, and the politics of it, I suppose. Oh, and I know another thing too. Actually, was interesting because I think Brookside did um, politically, I think that's what Phil did do, present situations and um, uh, characters that did challenge um, uh, culture and society's way of thinking about things. And I really do take my hat off to him on that note. And I would meet people who said, you know, they'd say, oh, well, you know, when we saw the first kiss or first homosexual because we were watching a soap as a family, I was able to talk to my parents about my homosexuality. So it, you know, it, it allowed people to um, come out, come out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. it, it tackled, Brookside tackled a lot of things. I mean, it was, uh, yeah. I mean, actually, if you go back, um, bizarrely, Crossroads actually tackled a lot back in the 1960s. It had the first, um, you know, a lot of uh, some of the first black characters were in Crossroads and things like that. Okay, people, people forget about that. But yeah, Brookside yeah. Was, really did really well in the nineteen in the early nineteen eighties before EastEnders came along, of course, and did even more of it. So I think Brookside blazed a trail with its um, right okay. storylines. You know, particularly around, um, as you say, um, Ricky and Sue's characters because they were, you know, they were they were fairly, you know, they they had a lot of troubles, didn't they? They came. They, Brookside started off with two, you know, a family that had got a lot of issues, a lot of problems, a lot of things. Got you. Like yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So what about your family then? What, what's it like to play a, a, an on-screen soap mum? And how do, you, how do you deal with that? And tell us a bit about the actors who were playing your, you know, the guy who played Mike Dixon and, and, and the, you know. Okay. What, what was it, what's the relationships like and how do you, how do you build that? Well, because, um, well, because... Um, after they gave, I think, uh, I don't, did Ron, Ron married Anthea in the end, didn't he? Because I ended up at the wedding and, and we were all in the same hats or there was some running joke anyhow. So that, that's a span of, I don't know, maybe seven years or something. I don't know that I, I sort of was engaged with Brookside. And I, so I saw the kids come in. Um, well, they sort of replaced Jeff. Um, the first Tony with another, a lovely boy, I have to say. And, um, um, but of course I worked alongside Alex and Paul for a long time. 
And I just naturally had such an affection for them. And I think it, and I think I needn't have liked them as much. Well, in fact, I love them actually. I needn't have felt like that about them. You know, I don't love all kids. So I felt really um, blessed to have the, the, and they're both, uh, um, Alex particularly is such a good actress. She's just a natural. And, um, and Paul, bless him, was, I think he, his, his aspirations was to be a music, musician. I don't know where he's taken his life now, but, um, but because of his sensitivity and lovability, you know, it worked. He was, uh, they were great kids, absolutely great kids. And I, I love working with them. Absolutely love working with them. Yeah. And he was in it for quite a long time. In fact, I think he was in it right to the very end, wasn't he, Simon? I think Paul played Mike Dixon right to the end of the... Yes, show. I believe so. He, he became yeah. a teacher it, in the end. Yeah. Right the end. He, oh, did he? I, I well, mean, in, he married, in the series, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no. But he married, didn't he? Uh, what, the he married Jordash. Rachel Jordash, yeah. Uh, who was rather, rather a lovely girl. She was a really nice girl too. Rather a beauty, wasn't she? I mean, she really still is. And didn't they have a kid? Did they have a kid? I believe so, yeah. Okay, okay. Seems to and remember he was right towards the end. He was a bit of a heartthrob as well, wasn't he? He was uh, young. Possibly. Uh, yeah, he was a bit of a heartthrob on the show, I think he was. Well, he's a good-looking boy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I couldn't look at him like that because he was my son, if you see what I mean. <laughs> yeah. He, yeah. He was compared to James Dean when he first joined the series, one of the other characters. Oh, uh, he looks like James Dean, yeah. Okay. <laughs> he was really cool, though. He's a real cool dude. Yeah, yeah. So let, let's hone in on some of your... Your main storylines, Simon. Where should we pick it up? What should we What should we focus in on first? Well, we've mentioned a little bit about um, the rivalry w- with the neighbours, uh, yes. and I thought it was quite nice how Dee Dee um, was something of a diplomat in that situation. I mean, she and Patricia sort of tried to smooth the waters sometimes when Ron and uh, and Max would be would be fighting. Stephen Pinder mentioned uh, when, when we interviewed him about Ron erecting a fence made of, uh, oh, of yes. doors between the gardens, and there were lots of disputes of that kind. I know that the Dixon's kids made off with the Farnham children's Easter eggs um, in one episode, which was quite funny. But Dee Dee seemed to sort of be a little bit more diplomatic than, than Ron, I thought. Um, I, I think you're right, and I think she would have liked to have had a, re- a relationship with... What's Gabby's, uh, what was her? Uh, Patricia Farnham. Uh, Patricia, yeah. Uh, I think she would have liked to have had a relationship with uh, Patricia because they were over the fence. Yeah, and I think there were moments when there was reasonable dialogue between them and and then something would happen that would break up. It it was always, actually, I think the conflict was mainly between, you're right, you just reminded me, between uh, Ron and... um, And and Max Farnham. Oh, Max, yeah. Max. So I think it was between Ron and Max. It was quite quite a male conflict. Well, there was one episode where Ron Ron banned um, Max from the shop uh, over a dispute about uh, organic sausages or something like that, and he actually barred him from coming into the trading post. And I think Dee Dee intervened, you know, at... uh, at some level okay it, those kind of issues yeah and i think i think she thought it maybe it got yes i think she realized that it got ridiculous and, and that i think that's what did happen uh, whether it's funny or not i don't know as a viewer but um yeah i think she felt that it had become um unnecessary yeah 
going to say that she was such an an empathic person um was dd Dee Dee. um and for example when um her her son was knocked down tragically by jimmy corkill who was high on drugs at the time that obviously prompted a huge storyline in response to that yeah. but there was a very poignant scene where ron obviously was hell-bent on revenge so that was very yeah. moving. Yes, I've got a vague memory of that. Uh, but then she would rest on her religion for that, wouldn't she? To she um, would, yeah. yeah. And I don't think I, my, I don't think I as a mm. person would be as forgiving, mm. and certainly not so quickly. Um, mm. And you know, the script arrived, and you follow the script. But you, yes. could, I could have used my the forgiveness of. I'm not Catholic, and also not religious. Uh, possibly spiritual, but not religious. And, um, yeah, I was able to justify, you know, your actions, you know, when you're trying trying to find your motivation for things, that would be justified quite easily with my religion, I would say. Yeah, and I think she was a diplomatic person and did did want peaceable relations um, and things to be pleasant. I don't think she was a... um, a disruptor. I don't think that's was in her nature as a character. If nobody was told what she were meant to do, if there weren't any rules, we would be living in a totally different format. A brand new podcast featuring rarely heard voices from across the UK and around the world. Bisexuality is not really understood because people have biphobic tendencies. And the second you mention bisexual, just their ears pick up. Contemporary conversations around bisexuality. Oh, well, you're still confused, right? No, I'm not confused. We are questioned so much more than people when they come out as straight or gay. It's intense pressure of like, am I sure? You're literally like monitoring yourself. Every episode will include a very personal story as we try to paint a real picture of bisexual Britain. This is Bisexual Brunch. Available now wherever you get your podcasts. Space. Not so long ago. In a time of intergalactic turmoil, the peaceful tyranny of the Galactic Empire is forever being threatened by evil anarchist forces. What was that? Anarchist forces have launched a surprise attack on a Sun Crusher's outer defence crust. Only the Sun Crusher space station can bring order back to the Empire. This is not a drill, although they probably are using drills. And only one man and one robot have the administration skills to keep bureaucracy burning bright. You are so anal. I don't be ridiculous, Brack. I don't even have an anus. That's an exhaust port. Meet Brack Nubar. That's my payslip, isn't it? It's completely blank. And X769C. My gang homeboat has been engaged and my suicide mission protocols are on standby. Thrill as they take on giant brides and evil geniuses. She's beautiful. Really? She looks like a giant calculator on steroids. Gasp as they look death squarely in the face and then run away. Down a garbage chute. I'm not going down there. Written and performed by Ian McNess and Richard Delafield. Stop stroking yourself. It creeps me out. <clears throat> you don't get heroes like this. Kill me now, just get it over with. Well, I do have this letter. Creep space. You okay now? Yes. So I can stop holding your hand? Yes. Coming soon to Distinct Comedy. We'll look at some of the other uh, storylines in a moment, but in terms of the workload at Brookside at that particular time, I mean, soaps were, were changing. We'd gone, you know, in the old days of Corrie and Emmerdale and whatever, and EastEnders, mm-hmm. it was two, so, two shows a week. And I think Brookside started off as two shows a week. 
But then they were all altering, and they were all starting to do compete more and more, and there was more mm -hmm. episodes and all the rest of it. Was that happening in 1990, or did you have more? Did you still have time to actually, you know, prepare and to rehearse and all that kind of thing? No, there's no, I don't think so at all. There was, there's never enough time. It doesn't matter what you're doing, to be honest. Maybe a very high-budget film, maybe. I don't know, but um, there was no, never enough time. You always did get time to rehearse, but it was before they shot it, so you really had to move quite quickly and know what you were doing. But you got good at it, you know, I have to say that. That was the, where the training uh, came in. It was, you know, you had to know your words pretty well so you weren't farting around so to speak and holding everybody up and were you living in liverpool at the time did you live in liverpool or I, travel up i commuted or? no i i um i uh, lived in london and then so i but i lived up in on the wirral actually i found a flat on the wirral and then went back to london at the weekends but after i had my son i did live up there i couldn't commute anymore so yeah we did live up there yeah, did your mum sure see you in Brookside? Did she? Oh, mum and dad. My mum and dad, yeah, yeah. Oh, they were uh, as pleased as punch. Yeah, thrilled, yeah. And also, my dad was going, oh, because I trained as a teacher early on, so I did drama and dance at Teachers Training College, and he never understood why I wasn't a teacher, you know, to have a regular income coming in instead of dealing with the, oh, the, the madness of the, the, you know, of our business, of our business. Yeah, it's, 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 very, it's very precarious and obviously extremely precarious at the moment, the situation everyone's in at this moment oh. in time. So, Simon, should we look at another storyline? Another storyline? Yes. Um, I mean, I suppose the, 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 the obvious one um, to cover is the, the eventual breakup between Ron and Dee Dee. Um, and as you mentioned earlier, Irene, they did get back together for a while, Dee Dee hoping that it was for good, um, perhaps less less sincerely so on, on, on Ron's side. Um, but what, what I always thought about that was that she, she really loved him, didn't she? You know, in spite of everything. She seemed to really, to really love him. She seemed to. <laughs> <laughs> but didn't, so when did they give me, they gave me another, was it after, did he marry Bev? Yes, that's right. I think so. And then, of course, that was one of the things that led to Dee Dee's initial departure when she had her nervous breakdown and so on. And then no, that was they gave me the, they gave me the nervous breakdown when I for my leave for my maternity leave, yes. but and so but they gave me um they gave me uh, another man um because I remember doing some scenes with an actor and we were out having dinner and he was introduced to my kids. Had she left the series? She'd left the close by that time. We didn't see well, so much. What, ha what happened was that I was, a I was an irregular character after I had uh -huh. uh, my son. And that uh -huh. suited me down to the ground because I was doing one or two days of work and looking after my child. And my parents um, were there as support. And then they asked me if I'd come back as a regular character. And this is just... For me, I'm not making a comment about other people's lives. It meant I would have to have a nanny. Now, I didn't have my son until I was 42 because I do everything very late because it doesn't cross my mind until it's almost too late for things. And so I had, <laughs> had him. And if I had a nanny, it would mean that I wouldn't be there bringing him up. So I decided that I really needed to stay as an irregular character and when I went to see Mal, he said, that's a really good idea. That's fine with me. Of course, he would have to pass it by Phil. And then he left almost within that week. He got headhunted by the BBC. So 
that information suddenly was awry and and that wasn't acceptable that wasn't acceptable my staking to stay as an irregular character and then my agent wanted me to move out anyhow and do other things so but, but Dee but Dee would never have approved of you having a uh, a nanny would she <laughs> oh certainly not certainly not I mean I think she was really pissed off when um when when Derek actually you know he met when he, he got together with uh, Margaret wasn't it the character uh, yeah, the nanny next door, and she was really. I think she was. Re- he was lovely. He was nice too. I love my brother too. He um. She, I think she was really pleased when they got together. So he would have, you know, some love and affection in his life, and not just religion. Obviously, she'd be quite proud of him being a. Was he a priest? I think wasn't he? He was yeah. a priest, and initially Mission- she was was very. Uh, eventually, he went off to become a missionary in Bosnia. Actually, that's yeah, right. But he, Initially, she was very resistant to the relationship because she saw it as him breaking with his faith and jeopardising his chances of, of being... Oh, yes, as all hell, yeah. Of and, course. And, and it, I was appalled. Bronco. What am I talking yeah, about? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes, um, I was appalled, yeah. She was oh, very... Nice. It brought back, dredged up a lot of memories of her own experiences and she felt that maybe she had, you know, given up on her chance of um, being a nun um, that she oh, sometimes yeah. regretted. Oh right! Oh yeah. Okay. There was there was quite a lot of uh, conflict within myself as as a character. Mm. That was mm. quite interesting, actually. Um, oh dear, I don't remember the outcomes particularly, except that somewhere I I didn't remember for, uh, forgiving him and wishing him well as they went off. But mm. he, she didn't go with him, did she? No, that's right. She didn't go in the end. I mean, Ron came down on, on their side and he arranged behind Dee Dee's back um, for the two of them to go on a date or something like that because he just oh, saw okay. it as two people getting together. He he was fine with it. Um, and that caused a great deal of ructions between Ron and Dee Dee as well. So you had the death of their son, you had that, okay. and then, of course, Ron going with Bev. All of these things sort of combined to damage the marriage. For, yeah, maybe. yeah. The wedge was there. The wedge yeah. was there. Okay, yeah, but I remember. I just remember the scene where uh, he was going off, and I think I was crying in the kitchen. We spent a lot of time in that kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was quite angry with Margaret for not going with him when I found out she hadn't gone because I'd be uh, well protective of him, wouldn't I? Yeah, because he was, he was a very gentle character, wasn't he? Um, he was. Yeah. yeah. Oh goodness! Goodness me! Sorry, I'm getting <laughs> all, flashes. All the, mem- <laughs> all the memories coming, come flooding back. So yeah. So did the, the your personal situation of having your, your your son and all the rest of it did that then impact on your longer term relationship with Brookside and and lead in the end to you eventually deciding to leave? Yeah. Yeah. yeah totally. But uh, and also, uh, you know, not to get too intimate about it. So I was breastfeeding my son. Uh, and, and if I couldn't express milk, I would take my son to the set. I can't tell you how accommodating, though, everybody was uh, at Brookside. And Ron and um, Vince was so supportive. I mean, when we met, our, our worlds are so different. I mean, I know he's a stand-up comic, but Vince had been married for a long time. He had children. Um, I don't think he knew what feminism was. <laughs> Bless him. He was a very funny man, though. I loved his wife. He'd met my parents. He knew um, my partner. And and he was really supportive when I came back. I think I was slightly off my trolley, anyhow, after I've had um, Daniel. You know, um, 
42 and having just given giving a given a textbook birth i hasten to add um yeah he was great and everybody was very accommodating but i think daniel was my priority to be honest so you know i've got I haven't got any memories of any of the stories <laughs> all blur any of the storylines did it have did um, i mean obviously so you were co- you were in a, a major soap you were having a, a baby you were traveling all the time etc etc um, and you're also in the public eye. How did the public yeah. eye side of things impact on all of that? In terms of being known and recognised. That's interesting. Do you know what? People were so nice. I, and I never really knew what it was. They just wanted... I, I don't know whether... This might be completely off trolley, but whether it's your, whether I represented good fortune to them, I don't know. But it's almost they wanted just to touch that slightly so everyone was really lovely if they wanted an autograph or a photograph and I always felt like well how lucky am I I have this you know a job doing a job I love I'm getting paid for it why shouldn't I give the public a bit of my time so I, I was never I didn't I, I never felt aggressive or uh, pissed off about people approaching me and nobody ever stayed or over uh, you know overstayed their welcome it was just an autograph hello and I love the program, so so it, it worked fine for me. I mean, I did have to go and do quite a few charity shows, um, charity functions. Um, this is a joke, really. So that was hard. Sitting, wearing a lovely dress, drinking, meeting whoever. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. Not, any, not very any, good for my alcoholism, though. Any other storyline you want to focus on, Simon, or is that are we, are we done with storyline? I was just wondering, what was it like to work with Marcia Ashton, who played Jean Crosby, your colleague in The Florist? Well, she's great, isn't she? She's feisty. Uh, do you know what? I got, uh, we just had a laugh. We had a good time. Mm. I don't remember anything pretty dramatic happening, but I did see her. We both lived in London, so I did see her for quite a while afterwards. Yeah, we used to meet up. And with, I tell you, with, with, um, with Gabby, actually, and Sandra Maitland, who was one of the jaw dashes, we were, all quite, we were all kind of good friends, so we stayed in touch for quite a while after. In fact, I still see Sandra, actually. Well, and Gabby. Um, yeah, but I haven't seen Marsha for quite a long time. But yeah, it was great. How lucky when, was I? Now, when you left, um, when what, when did you leave? When did you leave fully? What, when was that? When did you finish? I, I don't know. I, I think was it. I think my last memory of it was possibly him marrying Anthea. Yes, yeah. And I I went to the wedding, and she, Beth, and I all had the same hat on or something. Or was it when I introduced my new partner to the kids in a restaurant? I'm not quite sure what the last episode was. I can probably find out if we've time. Oh, go on. Um, was, that late, was that the late 90s? Would that have been then? Would that have been the late No, 90s? it was in the two, uh, 2000s. You were, yeah, I, I think so. I okay. think so. When did it actually finish, Brookside? 2003, it finished. Okay. But it all became a bit bizarre, didn't it? After you'd gone, I think didn't think things got really, really bad for Ron, didn't they? Didn't wasn't Ron charged with murder or something? Or was there was he something... defended his house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, against whom? He, he there was a bur- a space of burglaries, I think, and he he oh. um, he defended his house against a burglar okay. and ended up being okay. going, going to prison. Okay. Yeah. Which was topical okay. at the time because somebody in real life that had happened to somebody mm. in real life in, uh, in in I think in Norfolk or somewhere. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't think you weren't brought back in, were you, at all for those, those any of those episodes? No, no, and I don't remember any of those either. I, I've just got a very, 
about just tuned in and seen an episode, if you see what I mean, to see what was happening. Yeah. And, but it but it lost its viewing numbers, didn't it? I mean, that I was kind of like... Yeah, I think that was probably because they, they seemed to start moving it around the schedules, putting it on at, at like 11 o'clock at night and things like that. And, yeah. You know, they seemed to um, lose... They seemed, I think they were, they were putting more faith in Hollyoaks than they were in Brookside. Yeah, the problem. I, 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 but, I heard that. Because I, try- I think Channel 4 was trying to become a bit more youth-skewed, you know what I mean? Oh, okay, so okay. obsessed with younger viewers and all that kind of thing. But, Got you. Um, yeah, it's, it's quite sad. Did you find out, Simon, when uh, you found out? I'm afraid yet? not. Not so far, I'm afraid. No, I'm, I'm still on the... In the meantime, but Alex, is, she's on uh, Hollyoaks, isn't she? Um, I'm strange yeah. enough, she plays, she's playing a mother, isn't she? Yeah, and she never she never ages. She's just the same as she always was, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, she's never, very beautiful. She's never, yeah. changed, never changed at all. And she and she's so unaware of how attractive she is. You could yeah. tell her till the cows came home, she wouldn't <laughs> believe you. No, really. And that was part of her her loveliness, if you see what she was. She's very na- very natural actress, isn't she? She's yeah. played the part yeah. really well. Very yeah. very believable. Definitely. I used to get on at her to uh, to l- learn different accents so she could broaden her career. That's a joke, isn't it? She doesn't need to. She's got a very good career. <laughs> she's, she's done very well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. What do I know? <laughs> I think I've narrowed down your final episode was Ooh, um, an, an occasional appearance on the episode 2825 on the 5th of April, 2003. Thank you very much. Do you know so what Almost at the very end. Do, do you know what um, it, Sadly not. No, it doesn't give no. any details. I've only I got visited? like the, you must have I've got the Radio Times thing, you know, that they had in the... You weren't visiting Ron in prison, were you? <laughs> no, definitely not. No. <laughs> I, seem to, I seem to remember visiting the house and it had been changed quite a bit. And there was a couple of actors up that I didn't know at all. Yeah. So yeah. Did, um, it was the time so, when they were closing it, wasn't it? Talking about changes then, did... Um, Having been in Brookside for such a long time, that's quite a long time on and off to be in a yeah a, a soap kind of thing. Um, did it? Uh, I ask everyone this question. It becomes a bit of a cliche, really, but it's an important question to ask. Did that time? Did that period in that program? Did it? Did it change your life? I've never had the experience of working in such a way before on camera. I mean, theatre's different, isn't it? You, you work, and, it, and it's hard work, and suddenly you're in the public eye. Uh, would my partner have been attracted to me if I wasn't a celebrity? <laughs> That's a question. And I also had my son in the middle of it. So quite big things happened to me. So it did, So it changed my life. But was it because of Brookside or... I don't know. I don't know. It gave me... Because it gave me... Because I never... in. I don't know, I wasn't thinking of having children. I wasn't thinking of looking for a partner. Maybe somewhere on an internal psychological level, being in Brookside, working with the kids, having a husband, maybe that coloured my response to the world. Did it temper your feminism? (laughs) No, nothing will ever temper that. (laughs) And that that Adonis, which I keep mentioning, that you had yeah. at the beginning on that. I wish, I could, I, wish I could remember his name. I can't remember his name. <laughs> no, I was just about to ask, do you, have you seen him since in terms of any programmes? Or Has he come up? Have you... No, and I, I don't think I'd even recognise no. him. If... 
<laughs> I came across he might, him. Uh, he might be listening to this. He might suddenly come out of the woodwork. <laughs> that would be nice. Oh, no, it wouldn't be nice. It'd be complicated, wouldn't it? <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be as complicated as a Brookside storyline, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, Brookside, of course, has now been gone nearly 20 years, 17 years. But people often yeah. talk about, you know, wanting it to, wanting it to come back. Everyone seems to have fond memories of, uh, of Brookside. Um, could you see it coming back? Um, so people still recognise me, which I find extraordinary, to be honest. And, and so they'll suddenly go, oh, we love Brookside. We used to we used to save it. And they usually kind of been at university at that time or whatever. And they would save up the programmes and get the beers in on a Saturday and all sit down and watch the three episodes together. And it seems for an awful lot of people that was a way of life. And I'm always quite shocked, really, because I don't particularly watch soaps. Um, and now I've got nothing against them. I just, I just don't, it's not kind of what I choose to watch. But um, Do you like to uh, reprise Dee Dee? Where would she be now? What would she be doing now? Well, she'd be 69 for a start, um, or uh, thereabouts, thereabouts. Um, oh, God, yeah. Why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't I? Um, might be a nun by now. Oh, that would be, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, she'd be helping out in the local church, wouldn't she? Oh, she'd be running, she'd be running uh, things for refugees. I think you know, collecting all the underwear and big knickers and whatever you need, and for refugees. I think so. I've got a friend who does that, so that would make me think that that's something. Yeah, Dee Dee would be doing and at the local been, church. Would she have been reunited again with Rob? Do you think? Well, I sh- do you know what? I've just met somebody this morning who lives in the next village and her husband, and she's in her 70s, is now living back with her because they've always been good friends and it could be a possibility, couldn't it? It, yeah. could be, it, depends, what, it depends what happened to him, actually, uh, how temperate he was, if he was still a mad... <laughs> no. <laughs> but I think he'd always make her laugh and I think she'd enjoy that aspect of it. Yeah. 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 Irene, it's been absolutely lovely to talk to you. Thank you very much. Yeah. Of course, Simon's enjoyed it as well, haven't you, Simon? You'd, uh, absolutely. You'd really nice. Really nice to meet you, Irene. <laughs> really nice. Really ni- Actually, do you know what? It was painless. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't look forward to interviews at all. And it's really nice to meet you both too. That's yeah. fantastic. Thank you very much, Irene. You're listening to Distinct Nostalgia, home to some incredible interviews with stars from all your favourite soaps. If you enjoyed today's episode, why not head over to distinctnostalgia.com for a treasure trove of programmes just like this. Lisa Williamson of Hollyoaks fame talks about life on the programme. So we all got to know each other quite well. If you were chatting to some of the writers about something you've been getting up to, they would sort of write that in. So you started realising that some of your personality traits would come into the show. I got the script and I thought, what have I been up to? I got pregnant. I had the child adopted. It was, you know, and you think, wow, the writers have really gone to town for me today. You know, it's, it was great, fantastic. Andrew Linford and Mark Homer reflect on sharing their first kiss on EastEnders in the 1990s. When the, the Blackpool episode came out, front page of the tabloids, it was like, get this scum off our TV and things like that. Just horrendous stuff. It, it was kind of the start of, of, of a big thing, really, and we're privileged to be involved in, in storylines like that, I really am. And Nick Cochran discusses his life on the street as we continue our celebration of Corrie at 60. They were just brilliant with us, you know, because we were a couple of little sh- 
who've fortunately found their way into the TV's biggest show without really knowing what they're doing. That's bottom line, that's where me and Simon were at that point. Myself and Simon are old school people. We were brought up properly, mate, and, and so there was a lot of respect then, more than there is now. These programmes and many more are available at distinctnostalgia.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to be notified whenever a new episode becomes available. And if you like what we do, then please consider supporting us on Patreon. Every penny helps us to make even more amazing content just for you. Go to distinctnostalgia.com and click on the donate button. Thank you for listening and bye for now. Distinct Nostalgia is brought to you in partnership with Life Rooms and Mersey Care NHS Foundation Trust. We've lots of activities for you to do at home at liferooms.org. Staying well, staying home.